We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. If you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com slash WG to join the movement and get an exclusive Wayfinding Growth deal. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm Remington Begg. And hey, I'm Dan Moyle, and we're so glad you're here. Look, on today's episode, we're talking with Angie Morgan. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. I loved the book that, that, that she wrote with her co-writers. Uh, Angie founded a company called Leadstar, a leadership development consulting firm, so very interesting. She's also a best-selling author of uh, Leading from the Front, No Excuse Leadership Tactics for Women which I think we can all take something from, uh, even though I'm not a woman, I, I think it's a great book. And then her second book, which was my favorite, uh, Spark, How to Lead Yourself and Others to Greater Success. That's what inspired us to bring Angie on. Um, and to honor veterans this week, since Veterans Day was yesterday, we're talking with Angie about leadership lessons from the military, her leadership expertise formed after she graduated from the University of Michigan. So Michigander here, look at that. Uh, and also from her time in, as an officer in the U.S. Marine Corps. So that's Angie. Remington, what did you love about this episode? You you weren't able to be there for the conversation, so you listened. Yeah. So as a listener, yeah, what, what so did you walk away with? As a listener, I thought it was kind of cool. There's this like ribbon that feeds through the entire episode, which really comes down to, and I talk about this a lot, like a bias for action. Um, so I thought it was really neat. Um, specifically, she kind of brought that into, you can be a leader even if you aren't in leadership. Um, and a lot of that was was, you know, doing going, you know, just, just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to wait for someone to ask for you to do something. You can just roll with it. So that was really cool. And then, you know, along with that underlying theme, the, that thought of taking action was, um, was pretty incredible because she brought, she brought a lot of different facets about how she talked about it and how sometimes people might over or underthink it. Um, and she's a, a Marine to the boot. So it was really just awesome to hear her insights. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, execution is critical was one of my notes I wrote mm-hmm. down on that, mm-hmm. on that uh, bias for action. I really loved how she talked about the, the a, a recipe for success maybe is uh, a diverse crew, the right maps and a great co-captain. I was like, there you go. That's really good. And then her other thing was uh, she mentioned something about we don't slow down as we grow older. So as we get up and, you know, as senior leaders, as owners that are maybe getting older, thinking, oh, we, we slow down. We don't have much to learn. You know, our brain elasticity, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, dude, you, you have a ton to learn still and to give back. And so that was really yeah. cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, great conversation. Uh, here it is, friends. Season two, episode 20. Let's set that course for growth. So Angie Morgan, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thank you for taking time to help navigate these waters of growth with us. <laughs> hey, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. So Angie, you, uh, you're you a co-author uh, of, of an amazing, what I consider an amazing book on leadership, Spark. Um, I want to chart the course and find out how you got here. How did you end up writing this book on leadership? Boy, um, let's see how far back we have to go. It really actually started about, I'd say almost 17 years ago when my business partner, a woman I had served with in the Marines, and I left active duty and started working in the private sector. We learned that 
leadership, um, at least the understanding of the concept of leadership, was different in this new ro- new roles that we were both fulfilling. In the Marines, um, where we'd met, uh, leadership was a verb. It was behavior, and it was available and accessible to everyone. Everyone needed to develop leadership skills. Everybody had a leadership role, even if it was just leading yourself. And then we transitioned to the private sector and started to realize that people treated the word leader and leadership like nouns, like a leader is somebody who has a position on an organizational chart. And it wasn't about behavior. So we saw an opportunity to help professionals understand that leadership is about action and behavior. A leader is someone who influences outcomes and inspires others. And leadership skills can be learned by anyone. Uh, You don't have to be a manager to be a leader. You can be a leader without having a job title. So we started writing our first book, Leading from the Front, in, gosh, uh, 2003. It got published around 2004, and that launched our company, Lead Star. We were able to push our work. And through the process of working inside some pretty great businesses and organizations, we started to realize that there are just people who stand out. We call them sparks. They're just people who are the go-to people in their organization, the ones who get things done. And again, they're not demonstrating skills that they were necessarily born with. They're just demonstrating leadership behaviors on a consistent basis. And so we thought if everyone knew what these spark behaviors were, more people would position themselves for greater success. And then we decided to write spark. We just wanted to give some context around what makes a high performer a high performer. What are they doing differently than other people? And put it in writing. Mm. And so there's so much to unpack there. I love the idea that, <laughs> I love the idea that leadership and leader is a, a verb more than a noun and that anywhere in the organization you can, you can lead and you can be that spark. Um, I, when I, I remember when I was listening to the book spark, I, I got the audio version and I would, I was walking and listening and it just, it made me want to walk faster because it was so exciting to f- figure out, Oh, I think I'm a spark naturally and I can do this more strategically and purposefully. So, so that's really cool. Um, how do you, so describe a little bit about what a spark is. Let's dive into that. How can you recognize okay. if you're a spark or if you ha- or who the sparks are in your company? Yeah, you know, we like to think about the sparks as the go-to people, the ones who get things done in the organization. They're really the doers. Um, they're not necessarily the most charismatic people in the room, but they're the ones you go to if you want to launch an initiative, if you want to have this detailed, looked at, double-checked, you know, they're the ones who initiate new ideas. In fact, I was just talking to somebody last week. She works for a large oil and gas service company, and she saw a need within her community of um, engineers to create a leadership forum. She didn't wait around for anybody to give her permission. She used the right channel. She took the initiative. She um, got the funding. She got the invites. She got the events going. And nobody was telling her to do it. She just said, like, this is an opportunity. I can fill this void. And it's going to be something intellectually interesting for me to engage in as well. She wasn't doing it for the glory. She was doing it because, again, she saw a need and an opportunity. And I think about that within businesses all the time. I mean, we get to my business, we get to work with a range of professionals. And you can pinpoint sparks often through the initiative they take. They just recognize what needs to get done, and they don't wait for direction. They just do. Hmm. Can they also be thinkers? Because sometimes you hear this thinker versus doer kind of designation, this this either or. Uh, uh, can, yeah, you, can you be both? 
Yeah, I would say an and, right? I think that there's always that and. It's like I think with everybody, um, whatever role you fill, there's a time for thinking and there's a time for doing. And being able to discern what the time is is really important. (laughs) You know, if you've thought about something for long enough, it's time to act. (laughs) And that's when the doing gets uh gets really important and and i do believe too that oftentimes the doers and businesses are much needed i feel like sometimes we get to a stage in our business in our career where we think that you know our brain power is the only value we add but that's not necessarily true sometimes it's the execution of that accompanies your brain power that's really where the magic happens execution is where the magic happens that's good that's a tweetable moment (laughs) (laughs) so angie how how did your time in the Marine Corps prepare you for coaching these corporate leaders? You talked a little bit about, you know, verb versus noun, how it's different in the in the Corps or in the military in general from corporate life. But but how did that prepare you? Can you look back on your time in the Marine Corps and go, okay, this is what prepared me for coaching corporate leaders? Yeah, you know, a lot of what we learned in the Marine Corps had to deal with decision making. And taking decisions where clear guidance wasn't even going to be available or offered and how to take initiative. And so getting really comfortable with making decisions in ambiguity uh, is something that I spend a lot of time working with professionals right now, reminding them that the only barriers that they have really is their, oftentimes their um, imagination, their failure to imagine is sometimes what's holding them back or, um, not, you know, really recognizing what decisions are theirs to make or sometimes even reminding them, like, you've got complete authority to make this decision. Why aren't you taking action in this direction? So I work a lot with um, leaders on just kind of really recognizing their decision making and how to appropriately how to appropriately assess risk, uh, especially when it comes to some bold decisions that professionals have to make. Um, And oftentimes what I find is interesting coming from the Marine Corps is that we assess risk very differently than the business world. Like we assess risk versus life or death, you know, versus, (laughs) um, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm going to make this huge embarrassing mistake or this could be politically difficult to navigate through. Um, Oftentimes just reminding people no one's dying here. You can make this decision. Mm. This is yours to take. So it's perspective. I think I think maybe a better phrase for that is perspective taking. It gives you a different perspective. <laughs> right, right. It's funny because I uh, it's funny to me maybe, but I used to work in uh, television and and then a news mm-hmm. newsroom and creating newscasts. And I used to tell people coming in that like as important as live TV is, you know, it, like you you don't want to make mistakes, right? But I I always said, look, if you make a mistake, we're not doctors. No one dies on the table. Right. Like let's, let's put things into perspective. If we screw up, no one's going to lose their life. And so I like that, that you kind of bring that from the core as well. Like risk means something different. So that's a good perspective to keep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Angie, let's, uh, we talked a little bit about charting your course, how you got here. I want to think about to the, the ups and the downs of that. Right. So let's talk a little bit about shipwrecks. What do you, what Mm -hmm. is, looking over your career and how you got to where you and and Courtney are right now and everybody, what's one of your biggest shipwrecks in that journey? Oh gosh, just one. Um, (laughs) This is a business built on. It could be a few. (laughs) Trial and error and failure and perseverance. Yeah. I think any entrepreneur, your journey is about how quickly you rebound from mistakes. 
because especially entrepreneurs, there's no recipe book for how to get successful. You're forging into new territory. And so um, being able to recognize when you're down the wrong path and course correct is key. I mean, this has happened, you know, I think like more recently, um, not too long ago, Courtney and I worked with a client. It was a startup. And it's always sometimes risky working with startups because their cash flow and cash situations are always kind of iffy. But we really love the company. We love the people. So we went all in with this client turning down work to even work with this client. And guess what? The client has some really big challenges, cash flow being one of them. And naturally, you know, human resources investments are first to stop when cash flow happens. And so we saw, you know, a huge chunk of our revenue for the next year just kind of disappear overnight. And it was frustrating. It was painful. And, you know, you have to learn how to rebound and go back to what made you successful to the first place. And that's one of the things that I spend a lot of time right now just teaching professionals. I mean, there's inherent risk in whatever we do. And we have to acknowledge it. We have to recognize it. And we also have to do our best to mitigate risk. And for Courtney and I, like mitigating risk means, you know, we're continuously building on our network. We're continuously making sure our business is fresh. We're continuously looking in the mirror and saying, what are we doing to be successful? And I think that, um, you know, really challenging each other, challenging our work, um, again, allows us to rebound quite quickly from the mistakes. I mean, we've, it's so funny you're talking about ships. We had, like, early on in our career, we thought it was a great idea. What we were calling, like, we love the phrase, like, leadership, because there's a ship, you know, in there. Mm-hmm. So we thought maybe we could take our message to a cruise. And so we partnered with these folks who did, like, travel um bookings and we wanted to do like this big like leadership thing on the ship but you know not even really recognizing that professionals are time starved specifically our professionals many of ours are you know hard-working moms who is part of our audience they don't time to take a week off to go on a cruise ship and so it's just mm-hmm. like bomb no surprise and we realized it quite quickly and we're like okay this isn't working switch and so i think that's again going thinking about shipwrecks we've had plenty of them but i think the thing is like if you can learn from the experience and apply that learning going forward, uh, you're more resilient. Resilience and, and chart and, and changing course. I heard you say that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. And then I, and I really want to make a joke about like the Marines being a de- part of the department of Navy and how ships play a part, but I won't do that. I didn't earn that right. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can no, you can make it though. It's so true. Um, it is so true. It's funny how a lot of folks don't even know. In fact, I didn't even know that when I joined. I was enrolled in Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps. I didn't know that the Marine Corps was part of the Navy. I thought I was going into the Navy. Then I got there in ROTC and learned that the Marine Corps is part of the Navy. Who knew? And it ended up being the best opportunity for me. That's incredible. And just coming off of Veterans Day yesterday when this show airs now, um, mm-hmm. just what an incredible, I mean, gosh, there there are so many veterans out there that have so much to offer when it comes to, you know, things like leadership and work and that transition from service to civilian. Um, any advice for any of those coming out that want to make that transition? Yeah, you know, um, and happy Marine Corps birthday, too. Throw that out there, November 10th. Uh, That's right. Yeah, I think the, the thing that I would always advise, it, it's funny, I have a really good friend who is in the process of transitioning out of the Marine Corps to the private sector. One of the things he's done in the process is get, um, he's enrolling, he's enrolled in an MBA program. And I don't think you need to get an MBA or go to school, but I think that the benefit is surround yourself if you can the best way possible with 
quote unquote civilians. We don't call themselves civilians, but we call them civilians. It's just so you can understand the different type of um, language used in a business environment. I think it's going to make the transition, especially if you're going to go into business, that much easier. Uh, find other veterans who have had successful transitions, reach out to them, get a LinkedIn page, uh, you know, grow your hair out a little bit before you go get your picture taken, <laughs> invest in a suit, you know, think about how much you spent on your, you know, uniform, like those are pretty hefty investments. You shouldn't spend at least that much money on a really good suit, especially if you're going to go into like a, a white collar position. And also too, I think a lot of veterans who I've met, um, who kind of makes some missteps is they maybe move back to their hometown where there are no real opportunities for them or away from a community of veterans who they don't have a support network with. So really think about that next move. Um, really think about that next move. And I think there's also opportunities for employers like to better learn how to speak veteran. I feel like there's a complete language gap um, that exists between veterans and the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And by not being able to recognize the experiences that veterans have and how they can benefit. And it takes time, but uh, I think that there's tremendous opportunity there. Yeah. Amen. Great stuff. So, all right. So Angie, we talked about the shipwrecks and what you learned from those. Those are important to have, I know, and, and we can't get around them. But then there's also moments I would imagine where you look around and you go, man, this is incredible. So talk to me about one of your proudest moments when it comes to lead star or even the writings or just coaching leaders. What's, what's a proudest moment you can look back on? You know, um, actually, one of the most one of the proudest moments I had was when I got invited to create a round table for um, the commandant of the Marine Corps and his senior leaders. One of them who went on to become the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to create a um, round table of women Marine veterans to discuss women serving in combat arms roles before Congress made the vote to expand um, the roles for women. And I just remember sitting at that table, I'm just feeling so honored that, that my opinions and my thoughts and my ideas were um, not only um, invited to the conversation, but considered heavily as a result of it. And what um, emerged from there was just some really great conversations and ongoing relationships to have a voice um, and, and a little seat at that table. Mm-hmm. That was a proud moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. What did what did that moment teach you? I mean, as you look back on that, what do you, what did you what do you take away from that? Uh, you know, I think that for, for me personally, um, there were certainly a couple conversations beforehand, but um, just networking. I mean, just really networking and writing and communicating. I mean, I work in a thought leadership space. Just keep pushing your thoughts. Keep pushing your ideas some point they will um they will surface they will um create opportunities for you i mean if i were to take that opportunity um and how that happened and take it back like a few months or even a year it really was because i was sitting in a meeting um you know voicing and being really articulate at least i thought i was articulate uh, but just being really forceful with my comments on diversity and somebody who was in that group um raised my thoughts to a senior leader in the Marine Corps, which, you know, was the catalyst for that opportunity. And so I think uh, going back to, I was pretty direct with my comments. I wasn't sitting on my hands wondering what to say. Sometimes I think people hold back their thoughts and opinions because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. But um, I'm I'm really proud that I was able to articulate why diversity matters. And it 
you know, it created an amazing opportunity. Mm. There's a, a book called Radical Candor uh, that I think yeah. talks quite a bit about that. So, yeah, that's good. Um, oh, exactly. Yeah. So, Angie, if you uh, look back over this career and, and kind of sticking with this nautical theme that we have on Wayfinding Growth, what navigational tools can you pick out in your journey that helped you get to where you are? Um, so I'm a somewhat navigational tool. I think constantly surrounding myself with a diverse network of folks has really helped me um, get work to where I am, you know, recognizing when, you know, you need additional education. I went back later, you know, mid-career to get an MBA. I think that was really critical. So recognizing what education you need and when you need it. Um, I think having a business partner, having somebody who um, is kind of your right-hand guy or gal to help course correct. And when you're feeling low, you've got somebody to count on to boost you up. Like that's always been a really good tool. Uh, I'm also a runner and that sounds really um, maybe not so cheesy, but I find that um, especially people are business owners, entrepreneurs and high stress positions, you need to have something that calms, relaxes, and de-stresses you. So I think, again, a navigational tool is just having a discipline around what you need to do to kind of calm your mind so you can have the capacity to be resilient going forward. Mm. doesn't have to be running. could be yoga. could be meditation. It could be walking. It could be something. But just knowing what you need to do to self-regulate and get yourself back to center. Uh, motorcycles for me, I think. <laughs> Is it motorcycles for you? But see, you yeah. need something like that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, get out and unplug and just ride. And there are there are days when I, I'm riding and not thinking about anything other than the ride. Other days, my mind's going 100 miles an hour to to decompress or, like, think about what I've been thinking about all week. So it's, yeah. And, and I can see, I mean, I, I've run in the past. I'm not running at the moment, uh, but I do walk. And, um and I can totally see that. So that's good. And I like too that what I took away from what you said was uh, having a, a diverse crew, having the right maps, having maybe either a co-captain or a navigator to walk alongside you. Like those are good navigational tools, I feel like. Oh, no, that's a great, that's a good question. And I think yeah. too, going back to um, reading this article, uh, I think it was in Fast Company. I posted it on LinkedIn. So if you're listening, I post a lot on LinkedIn just to kind of generate thoughts and ideas around leadership development. So feel free to find me. Mm -hmm. I'm Angie Morgan on LinkedIn. And so one of the things I was reading about was this concept of people trying to high perform during their time off, like using your white space in your life to like, you know, complete a bucket list goal to read a thousand books and all these things. But, but they talked about the value of just kind of unstructured white space. And that's what I feel is often over neglected in our work environment is often neglected in our uh, work environments is people not value valuing like, calming their mind because that's when aha moments happen. I mean, you're not going to have a breakthrough thought when you're jamming through your email inbox, trying to finish up a proposal, you know, answering the phone. It just doesn't have that happen that way. We need to give our brains like space, white space to use the margin just to think differently. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's where I've heard people say that's where shower moments come in, right? Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, you're not thinking about anything other than, you know, washing your hair or just enjoying the water. You're like, oh, what about this? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, un unplug <laughs> yep, and have exactly. that white space. No, that's good. Um, Angie, if you could be a wayfinder to someone and guide them through, which is what you do every day, <laughs> what would be the first piece of advice to, the, to be a wayfinder for entrepreneurs uh, or top leaders that want to help their companies grow? 
So repeat the question. If I could be a wayfinder. Yeah, if you could help or, someone, uh, an entrepreneur or a leader who wants to help their company grow, what would your first yeah. piece of advice be? A great question. Um, I would ask what's like feeding your inspiration. What are you listening to and what are you reading? Um, because I, I just finished this coaching program with a business that needs just that. They need more entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, however you want to call it, internally. And so what was really interesting about um, just the conversation is that people are often stuck within, you know, their mindset of their job, their role, their responsibilities. They often don't get a lot of outside influences to spark creativity and imagination. So that would be my one thing is like, what is fueling you? What podcasts are you listening to on your way to work? What music are you listening to? Are your skills getting stale? Are, you know, are you, you know, is there like a bookmark in your growth and development? So just constantly think about that, like what you can do to get creative inspiration. Let's start there. Um, and also to just, get, again, networking, talking with di different people outside of your industry, outside of your job um, or, you know, function that you have, because there's so much value in those kind of happenstance connections that may not make sense, but there's a lot of innovation that can be found there. Hmm. So I think that'd be my, my, my thinking around way to find your way. Yeah. No, I love that. What, so speaking of that, what do you have a go-to? So I love podcasts. This is one of three mm -hmm. that I do. Um, I love podcasts and I love reading. Do you have a go-to podcast or a book you're reading right now that would, that feels that for you? Yeah, you know, there's certain people who I just really enjoy, um, and it's not business per se, but I love Malcolm Gladwell's um, Revisionist History. I think he's a genius. I'm reading his book, or I'm listening to his book right now, um, Talking with Strangers, and I'm just blown away by his ability to just make connections. Like, I think he's genius. I also I also go to, I'm a English major by trade. I spend a lot of time. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I should be embarrassed about this. I love like British romance <laughs> because mm. it's so formal and silly. And so yeah. like, I love Jane Austen and, you know, I'll, I'll read that just to kind of revisit those, those interests of mine. Um, I, I'm not afraid to say that I love um, Oprah's soul Sunday conversation. She has the most interesting guests who, and you know, whether it's Tom Brady or uh, Brene Brown, and I also really love Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. I think her work is powerful and it's bringing a whole new type of um, subjects and concepts into our work environment that are absolutely necessary around courage and vulnerability. So those are some of my favorites um, that I like. Yeah. And this uh, one, of course. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting to me. I, I I'm a big Brene Brown fan as well, and Malcolm Gladwell. I've seen both of them speak mm -hmm. um, at events. Oh wow! It's amazing. It's in, yeah, they they are fantastic. It's interesting to me that it gives it, for, some, for some reason I think of this dichotomy between Marine Corps, like hardcore Marines and their leadership and and everything, and then like Brene Brown, like and and you talk about her bringing in a different different side to leadership, vulnerability, authenticity. What an interesting dichotomy. Do you ever think about that? I, I do. And it's, it is, you know, kind of funny, right? Courage and vulnerability, they'll seem like the soft topics. And yet the Marine leaders who I know are the most successful and powerful 
are the ones who um, are so open and transparent and brave with what they're sharing. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, there's a retired three-star general. Um, his name is Boomer Milstead. And during the tail end of his career, um, he had cancer. And he wanted to make sure that Marines understood, like, you've got to get to your health appointments. You can't take life events um you know, you you just have to take care of yourself. And he was very open about his surgeries and his process for recovery. And I think of what that did to him and Marines in his circle much broader than that. It brought them closer, it made them feel more comfortable talking about a subject that a lot of other people want, may not want to talk to, even with um, some, you know, senior Marine leaders talking about PTSD and talking about their challenges coping when they come back from deployment, being able to talk about these subjects brings healing. You know, nobody should suffer in silence. And that's very counter, counter to like how we think of our Marine leaders, right? It's like, oh, don't talk about, you know, you should be tough when you come back. You know, you had these experiences, back it up. They're like, no, like there's some serious problems in the military related to suicide related to um, people struggling, alcohol, or, you know, pain medication abuse, we need to talk about these things. And so it seems, again, courage, vulnerability, and then this, you know, extremely machismo environment that those two things shouldn't intersect. But when they do, it promotes powerful conversations. And I think healing in a community that obviously needs um, a lot of support. Mm. So good, Angie. So good. So is there anything that I didn't cover that you'd want to make sure listeners walk away from this conversation with? Anything in particular, you know, I've, I've been really influenced by um, the piece I was watching, but going back to inspiration, I thought a lot about it. Um, as a, as a researcher, Dan Gilbert, not um, the owner of Quicken, but the researcher, Dan Gilbert, <laughs> um, he talks a lot about your future self and how we underestimate how much growth we have and our inability to imagine our future often means that we lower the bar on some of the expectations we have for our life. Like we can all appreciate how much we grow between the ages of zero and 20, but we tend to think, and you know, while we do uh, that, that growth does slow down as we get older, it's not as much as we think it does. And uh, so we need to really reimagine our future sometimes and think about how things change and what things are possible. And so I think that that would be the thing that I would ask your readers to think about. Think about your future, think about your expectations, and then bump them up a notch or two. There's so much opportunity. Mm. What a great encouragement. Yeah, what a great encouragement. Ah, so good. Angie, thank you so much for being a part of Wayfinding Growth. We're going to link... Uh, in the show notes, of course, to you know, to, to get in touch with you, to look up the books, to talk with Leadstar. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, Go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.